study in the book of Judges. We're in chapter 5, and uh, we're going to um, come up and into a study which has to do with leadership. So we're going to talk about leaders. So don't tell them, but we're going to talk about them. And, uh, and we're going to see what leaders are supposed to do. But we're also going to talk about the people that are a part of the team. So we're going to talk about everyone. And that's, uh, we're going to learn how a team comes together. Um, and just a quick reminder that this Sunday is a special day. Uh, we're going to uh, be celebrating mothers, and so I am preparing a, uh, a special Mother's Day message. And so uh, please make sure to, to bring, uh, bring, bring mothers, bring everyone. You know, this is, this is a day in which normally as, as uh, the moms, they tell their whole family, okay, so one of the things that I want for Mother's Day is that you come to church, and they all come to church, right? And so um, use that to your advantage. Is it not? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, the enemy is always trying to, trying to mess us up, right? The only thing is that when you, when you trust in the Lord and, and you're not shaken, <laughs> he really doesn't have any leverage over us. It's only when you give it to him, truly, right? Even in the midst of situations, difficult situations, you know, as I always say, you know, you have to look to him. You have to cling to him. You have to keep your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. Otherwise, even the, um, the difficulties that he allows us to go through are oftentimes, you know, they're wasted because we're still thinking about ourselves. Um, all right, so it's all about him. It's all for his glory, not ours. Until we go home to be with him, I think that's when we'll fully understand that statement and we'll fully understand what the Apostle Paul said, to live as Christ and to die as gain. But um, this Sunday, Mother's Day, um, I, was, I was telling you, take full advantage of it. And, um, you know, moms, in, invite uh, sons and daughters and neighbors and everyone who's willing to come out just because it's Mother's Day. And we're going to make it special and, uh, and we're going to have that day set aside um, to glorify the Lord in and through his word and in uh, a message um, that, again, is, is especially geared toward uh, motherhood. And so uh, come out this Sunday. So um, outside of that, though, we, um, we have a few days in which we can settle our hearts and our minds in the Word of God, that which we are going to co- uh, come through and learn this evening. And again, that's Judges chapter 5, when leaders lead and people freely offer themselves is the title of this evening's message. Uh, every once in a while, I do title a message on Wednesday night, and this is one of those nights. Uh, because that's the main kind of point that we're making as we go through. Uh, because when leaders lead and people freely offer themselves, those who are God's people, um, the Lord is blessed. The Lord is honored. He is glorified. And so let's pray and get into our study. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, you counsel us with your word. You guide us and train us up in righteousness. Lord, you demonstrate to us your standard that we may truly be a people who are set aside, consecrated unto you, and that we know what that looks like. We understand, Lord, what truly does bless you and honors you. And we also understand how to nurture a relationship with you. 
And so, Father, speak to us this evening. I ask, Lord, that you would even strengthen us this evening, everyone who listens to this message, that the church may be strengthened, Lord, from the leadership and the people, those who are gathered together, forming teams of ministry within ministry um, to further the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, um, Lord, to do the work of an evangelist, Lord, that we may understand uh, what it is that we're here to do, and we're here for your purpose and to bring you glory. And uh, so we know what to do. And so may that always be before us, and may you encourage us and build us up this evening according to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, we learned about Deborah and Barak, uh, and how even the smallest amount of faith can truly be used by the Lord to do mighty things through willing vessels. And with this, we learned about how the right encouragement in the Lord can help others exercise faith in the Lord and help them fulfill what God is calling them to do. We saw that in the example of Deborah with Barak, right? And how was that if on the surface, if you were just to look at the whole situation just in the very beginning, you'd kind of wonder about the man, right? He wouldn't go into battle unless Deborah went with him, and she warned him, well, you know, a woman's going to get the glory instead of you, and um, she said, well, he, he said, well, come anyway, right? You know, I, I won't go if you don't go with me, but we need to understand, and that's why I pointed to Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of uh, faith, how it is that Barak is mentioned as someone who conquered kingdoms, and how it was that he was, a, he was in that list of the faithful and how it is that we can be encouraged by exercising a little bit of faith, uh, we can do some great and wonderful things that bring glory to God. Now, after the routing of Sisera, the commander of King Jabin of Canaan, Deborah and Barak composed this song of victory, and that's what we're going over this evening. They were filled with joy. You know, when you're filled with joy, you tend to sing. Um, it, it's like it's like your your heart bubbles over, and you can't help but but sing for joy. You sing God's praises, and they come off of our lips. And so Deborah and Barak, they compose a song of victory filled with joy, singing God's praises for using them as instruments in his hands against God's enemies, declaring his faithfulness and power over Jabin, the king of Canaan, and over all of God's enemies. That last verse that we're going to, going over this evening declares to God in, in and cries out to him, may this be the case with all of your enemies, this very thing. And this is what happens when leaders lead and people freely offer themselves. We have victory in Christ. We, we, we know for us today, we know this victory in Christ. And we know truly that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. The, the Lord is with us. He's, he's, he's gone before us. He has our rear guard, our side. I mean, he's over us. He covers us. He goes with us into battle. We should never, ever, ever forget that. But when people come together, his people, and the leaders do what they're supposed to do, and the people do what they're supposed to do, oh, what wonderful things can be accomplished. So let's read Judges chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinuam, on that day, that the, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. So this is the introduction to their song. Just this verse alone. That the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. 
This song is attributed to both Deborah and Barak. They both worked together in doing what the Lord had called them to do. And they both enjoyed victory together. As we will see, they sung God's praises, His faithfulness. They declared His faithfulness, His power, His might, His glory. Oh, how wonderful is the Lord. And we see it all in this song. Verse 2 gives us the starting point of this work of God. When leaders lead and people willingly offer themselves, this is what happens. And the Lord is blessed. The New King James Version says it this way. When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Can I make an obvious point here? You know what God expects leaders to do? Lead. Lead. That's what they are to do. Lead. How does one lead? From the front, perhaps? It's from the front. Leaders are supposed to lead. And this is an expectation of the Lord. What I want to say with that is that leaders are to serve as examples and lead others to walk with the Lord in victory. You know, that's one of the basic foundational characteristics of a leader. Is that they believe the very thing that they're leading others to do. If you don't believe that, there's no conviction. There's nothing that you're passing along to anyone else except for doubt. You're passing along things and characteristics that are unbecoming of a leader. And they're bad qualities that are passed on instead of those things that encourage and build others up. A leader is supposed to lead from the front, serve as as an example. This involves sacrifice. Yes, it is worth it all the way through. In fact, Romans 12.1 speaks of that. Leaders ought to know that sacrifice is involved. And God holds leaders to a stricter, disciplined life as compared to those who are leading or or being led. Those who are leading are teaching, are coaching, and are training in righteousness. Oh, that's a tall order. That's big responsibility. And we will be held accountable. James 3, 1 says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. God's standard, His expectation, is that leaders are more disciplined. They are truly set apart, knowingly, conscientiously, deliberately, unto the Lord. If you think that only teachers are those behind pulpits, you are sadly mistaken. Teachers are leaders, and leaders should be teachers. For that is what is expected, that you make disciples of all nations. And and think with me for a moment here. Sometimes we we do think that it's just the person behind the pulpit, someone who's perhaps teaching on a Wednesday night, or someone who is teaching in the children's ministry, or in some other way, shape, or form. But does it not say in Matthew chapter nine or uh, Matthew chapter twenty eight verses nineteen and twenty? 
we're explained, we're, we're given a command. It's called the Great Commission, right? To make disciples of all nations. This is the Great Commission, and it is a commandment for all of us. But we all know that there are those who are called leaders, and those leaders need to take their role seriously and lead well. So the command is for everyone, but there's specifically those things, those roles that leaders should take seriously, and they should lead well. Not half-hearted, not complaining, but filled with joy because they know who they're serving. Whatever we do, we should do it to the best of our ability, to the glory of God. You can jot down 1 Corinthians 10.31 and Colossians 3.23. And so we start out in that manner. Deborah and Barak are giving praise because leaders are leading and the people are freely offering of themselves. Deborah and Barak not only address the leaders, but also the people, because without the people, nothing will get done. So everyone must do their part in order for the work to be accomplished. Reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, which says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And it's kind of, you know, if you take a look at the body, you understand that it all works together, although... Various members, it's just one body, right? When every part does what it's supposed to do, oh, it it works well. You can do some amazing things. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, in other words, doing what it's supposed to do, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There is a relationship between leadership and the people that when both are working together leads to fulfill accomplishments in the Lord and he is blessed. That's the bottom line. When everyone is working together, doing what they are supposed to be doing, the, the, the bottom line, what is produced is, is giving glory to God. It's fulfilling his will. But when there is a problem, with a member or the body as a whole. What these actually are, if they linger on too long, are distractions that take away from the work of the Lord because we are focusing not on Him and His work, but on you and your issues. You see, that's why it's important to know the very Word of God, that when we're confronted with these issues, we exercise godly wisdom You know why? So we can quickly get through those issues and get back to doing the work of the Lord. When you exercise godly wisdom, when you surrender to the very word of God, let's say, for instance, relational issues. Okay? We know the issue. You go to the word of God. You see what he expects, what his standard is. You apply it. And if you're in the wrong, you repent, you turn from that. And instead, of you, you, you start walking in the ways of the Lord, and it's done. Right? Problem solved? Yes, because you applied godly wisdom, right? Biblically. Done. Now you're, now you're back to the work. You're back to working for the Lord. You're back to serving Him. You're back to honor Him, fulfilling whatever it is that He has planned for you, the church, your ministry, all of the above. Your family, your marriage, um, your work, all of that. It's no longer your issue that you're dealing with because it's been resolved. It's done. 
and you continue on. And so it is with the body of Christ. If there are relational issues within the body, instead of insisting, you know, on your way, go to the Word of God. Allow it to guide and correct you. And then when those relationships are reconciled, you can get back to what's important. Get back to the work of the Lord. And so, here are praises sung to God for His victories. He had through leaders who led and people who freely gave themselves to doing the work of the Lord. And I believe that's why Barak and Deborah, this was the beginning. Oh, this is what happens when leaders lead in Israel and when when people freely give of themselves. In verse 3, as we continue, it says, Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. And so they start out recalling past victories and the hand of God moving in a similar way over Sisera. Uh, There was a time in the past when God moved on behalf of his people with flaming fire at his right hand, according to Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 2. And they knew victory. He knew victory for his people on behalf of his people. In a like manner, God went out before them and caused a downpour over Sisera, over his army, over his chariots. It's going to be detailed a little bit more later in the song. But this is what he did. And so it's like Deborah and Barak were recalling that and saying this was similar to what had already taken place. It's good to remember God's past victories. To give confidence in our present battles, acknowledging his victories on our behalf. Just remember God is faithful. This was one of the problems of the Israelites as they went through the desert. And they forgot. They quickly forgot. How many times did they... Did they grumble? Did they complain? Did they murmur against Moses? Telling them, oh, why'd you bring us out here just to die? Right? And so they forgot how it was that the Lord had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh and oppression under Egypt. It's amazing how it is that they forgot how the Lord parted the Red Sea, brought them into this wilderness Provided for them, manna from heaven, water out of a rock. Their clothes did not wear, did not wear out. A- amazing. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Ah, oh, quickly. We can forget our past victories in the Lord. And so it would do us well to remember those past victories in our own lives. Just take time now and then, to do that very thing. And that's why I believe that the Lord, in His perfect wisdom, told us, hey, you need to remember and declare my death until I come back. And this is how you do it, by taking communion. Remember my sacrifice until I come back. Remember that. Because we would soon forget how much truly God loves us and sent His Son on our behalf. 
Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That is God providing a path of victory for you, whether it be escape or going through. Sometimes it's not letting you out of the situation, but going through the situation, nonetheless, he gives you a way through or out the back door. Remember, he is faithful. He is faithful. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. And then they go on with this song in verse 6, saying, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers seized in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offer themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Oh, the Lord, again, may I remind you that God is faithful. He provides deliverers amid Canaanite oppression. And that's what we see here. That's what Deborah and Barak were recalling. A deliverer was sent in the midst of, in the middle of, Canaanite oppression over the Israelites. God is faithful, as stated earlier, quoting 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God always provides a way of escape. Even sometimes in the form of a deliverer that comes and helps us through it. When times were so bad that people couldn't even take the main highways. What we read here is that they were, they were being robbed. They, they couldn't go down the main highways. They had to find these back roads, these secret roads, to lead them to the places where they needed to go. The byways, and that's what we have. Kind of these trails. And so the highways were deserted. Can you imagine that? Chaos. Riots. Just there was disorder. So much so that the 215, the 91, the 10, 210, all of these would be completely empty. Because if you were to go down those roads, there would be these roadblocks by these road pirates. And they would be there only to mug you and to rob you and take everything that you own. Well, let me tell you, in some countries, that does happen. I remember going down the road in Haiti. And the first time we came across a roadblock. <laughs> I, okay, so me being from SoCal, me being from America, I was thinking, oh, Maybe there's a detour, and they're doing some road construction up ahead. Uh, No. No construction. Um, The detour they they wanted to take you through was, give me your money, and then we'll go ahead and pull this, uh, this log that's in the road, right? And so, you know, we had to... Um, go around these roadblocks and we had to, you know, do things. They, they didn't happen often, but when they did, we just kept going. I, I mean, I think Lance was ready to four-by over some of these logs just to keep going or turn around and go another way. But 
just imagine in this time, that is exactly what was happening. And the people couldn't go down the, the main highways. And the Lord said, through Barak and Deborah, remember the time I sent to deliver. I sent to deliver to deliver you from oppression under the Canaanites. Because God is faithful. They did not have any weapons to defend themselves. God is faithful. He delivered them. Even though it looked impossible, there's no way that we could come out from under this oppression. The Lord delivered them. May we declare with Jeremiah these words, because there is a time coming when this will be the case for us. The Christian is being isolated and treated like the enemy to the point where they will take everything away from us. But our God and our faith in Him, they cannot take away. And that is when it will be vital that we stand fast in our faith and don the full armor of God. Standing in the truth and proclaim the gospel, come what may, God is with us. We should never forget that. May we declare with Jeremiah these words. Jeremiah chapter 20 verses 8 and 9 says, For whenever I speak, I cry out. I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. There is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones And I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. You know, it's coming. If you don't see it, it's coming. I just saw, I I believe it was a congressional hearing to where, you know, people were sworn in. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's been happening uh, with our, I'll just, please bear with me, I'll put leadership in quotes. Okay? This country's leadership. It's it's kind of it's getting to the point to where it, it's it's just obvious they are completely removing God from every every form, and so it was it was Nadler who swore them in, but omitted. So help me God. And so the people sat down, and there was someone who spoke up, and he said, um, "Sir, if I may, um, I believe we omitted that last." sentence so help me god and nadler said yes we did and he said we're not going to force upon someone else our own convictions this is not a test no one says it was a test these are just the the truths and the very moral standards that we were brought together under it's coming Church, please wake up. It's coming. Don the firm, uh, full armor of God now. Stand in the truth now. Because if you don't now, you will not then. You will not then. And it's coming sooner, I believe, sooner than what we think. Persecution is coming. And may we be like Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah, he was speaking out. He was crying out. He was shouting, violence and destruction. Violence and destruction. May we cry out, there's violence and destruction even now. And he goes on to say, For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach, a derision all the day long. It's tiresome. Oh my goodness, you know, I I proclaim the, the goodness of God, His mercies, His love, His grace, His patience with us. And everyone continues to completely ignore Him. 
and go even in the opposite direction, mocking him. And he says, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, because we will have this desire to do that, it's like, I am so tired. He says this, there, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. You see, the enemy, enemy desires to disarm Christians and oppress them, but greater is our God. Period. Stand fast and declare the good news to all, no matter what. And Deborah says that her heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Not only did the people offer themselves willingly, but so did the leaders. So it should be. All giving themselves freely to the Lord. Willingly, freely. Uh, An act of the will. It's a choice. As his servants to do as the Lord desires. And it's all to his glory. It's not out of duty, but out of a proper response to the love and grace that God has offered to us through our Lord Jesus Christ and has demonstrated. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The New King James says, your reasonable service. It's what we ought to do. It should be a a fitting response. It's just what we ought to do. When someone loves you, demonstrates that love, that perfect love, and you understand salvation and the hope that we have in Christ, we could truly proclaim, just as the Apostle Paul did, to live as Christ, to die as gain. It's always a win-win for us. We've been given everything. We've been given eternal life. Therefore, this this life that I now live, I live for the glory of the Lord. I live only for Him. He has sacrificed everything for me. For me, it is not a sacrifice. It is simply what I owe Him. That's it. I am a servant of the Master, and I gladly serve Him. When leaders do this, as we see here, the people are more inclined to do the same. It's been said that people will do half what you do right and two times what you do wrong, twice what you do wrong. Think about that for a moment. Half what you do right and two times more than what you do wrong. So we should be more inclined as leaders to be aware and conscientious about doing that, which encourages other people to walk upright before the Lord with a clear conscience, making sure that our hands are clean and our hearts are pure before the Lord. So the song continues, verse 10. says, Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who walk by the way to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. Then down to the gates march the people of the Lord. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, break out in a song. Arise, Barak, lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. What this is declaring is God's faithfulness. It should be declared by the leaders. And all who belong to God should declare, no matter where they are, 
and especially if they themselves are civil leaders, to stand with courage and boldness and confidence in the Lord and declare His faithfulness, to sing God's praises, to recount all His good deeds, to not hold back and make sure that what we're declaring gives God the glory. We see here, wake up, arise. Wake up, arise is what we have. A declaration to all the wonders of God and His love for all. I know in John 3.16, it is said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. May we never cease to declare that to the world. Arise. Wake up. Keep declaring, keep proclaiming God's grace to all mankind. For he wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His offer of reconciliation through his son, Jesus Christ. This portion was requesting that Deborah and Barak and all the leaders tell of all that the Lord is doing for Israel. The question for us, of course, is will you tell of all that the Lord has done and is doing for you? You know, we have opportunity from time to time. You know, we should always be looking for that little end. You know, in the midst of conversations, we should exercise discernment and wisdom. You know, it, it's, it's in those moments of going back and forth with someone to where we're, we're building those bridges of trust. And it's, it's not deceptively. It should be genuinely to give them this hope, to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then to tell them. Tell them about the grace of God. The love of God expressed through Jesus Christ. Do you know of all that the Lord has done and is doing for you? That goes back to just thinking about the victories that we've known in in the Lord. And then being encouraged by Him. And then telling everyone else about them. You know, I was in a similar situation. And I recount how it was that the Lord got me through. And so they continue in verse 13 with this song. Verse 13 says, Then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord marched down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim, their root, they marched down into the valley. Following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. From Makir marched down the commanders. And from Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princes of Issachar came with Deborah and Issachar faithful to Barak. Into the valley they rushed at his heels. Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Why did you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by his landings. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. It's interesting because what we have here is a list of tribes that helped and those that did not help. Interesting that it is noted this way. The ones that helped were thanked and those that didn't, well, they weren't thanked and they were called out. When there is a work to do among the people of God, we'll say within the church 
All families, each individual, should help. Not my standard, not because the pastor said so, not because of anything that anyone else says, but because the Lord says so. Even if it's just prayer. All should participate in the work of the ministry. All should lend a helping hand to the work of the Lord in some way, shape, or form. When we do, we all benefit. Even the ones that contributed indirectly, you could say. In, I know we say indirectly, but, it, but it's a direct contribution. Some people, to the work of the ministry, they're able to help out. I'm going to help out financially, so they help out financially. I can't go, but I'm going to, I'm going to help out. I can and I will. Others, they can't help out financially, and so they say they're diligent. And they say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on my knees and I'm going to pray. Everyone really should be praying, no matter what. But say, I have nothing, I have nothing else to give. I can't go and I, I really don't have anything extra to give, but I'm going to be on my knees and I'm going to consistently pray that's a direct contribution I'm reminded uh, I was thinking about this when David defeated the Amalekites those that went with David did not want to share the spoil with those that did not go they said you know what they didn't go they didn't fight they didn't battle they didn't they didn't participate in the battle they should not get any of the spoil but to this, David responded in this manner. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 23 and 24, But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? I love that. Who's going to listen to you? Right? That's not, in other words, he's saying in our word today, that is nonsense. What you just said, that's re- that should not have even come out of your mouth. Consider your brothers. Really? You're going to go into battle, bring back spoil, and not share with your brothers? He said, for as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. Oh, great wisdom. That's being a team working together. We all participate. Are they not taking care of that which belongs to them who go out to battle? Yes. Those that go and those that stay behind to tend to the baggage, quote unquote, share alike. And so we see here, contribute in some way. With this whole list and, and the way uh, it, is, it is sung in this song of Deborah and Barak, really what's encouraged is, don't, don't be like the tribes that didn't contribute to this battle. Be a part of it. Participate. Engage in some way, shape, or form. That is what should be among the people of God. Participation. It is not a spectator sport. We are all to engage and participate in Christianity and in the work of the ministry. And in verse 19, we continue... It says, the kings came, they fought, then fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of silver. From heaven the stars fought, from their courses they fought against Sisera. 
The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Then loud beat the horse's hooves with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Curse Miraz, says the angel of the Lord, curse its inhabitants thoroughly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. The battle is described, is what we see here. And we've gone through the battle that we went through in the last chapter, but it's described, it, we have a little more detail here. And Miraz is asked to be cursed by God for not helping. Again, it is good to contribute and participate in the work of the Lord. And the opposite is true when we don't contribute and participate. If it's good that we participate and contribute, then the opposite is true, right? Because it's a truth that is declared. So that which is false is the opposite of that. It's not good. There's no benefit or lack, or or there is a, a lack thereof. When we don't contribute and we don't participate, we miss out. The Lord still does his work, but you don't benefit along with everyone else. I, I'm reminded of Esther and Mordecai. How it was that Mordecai had told Esther, hey, listen, uh, who knows if uh, you're here for such a time as this. But hey, if you won't do it, and I'm paraphrasing, if you don't do it, someone else will be raised up to do the work. Listen, God's work is never thwarted. Never. We are blessed. We are honored, actually. We are privileged to be a part of what God is doing. We benefit from that. That's a, that, that, to me, is absolutely amazing. Because that's what Esther's uncle was saying to her. Hey, listen... Who knows, you, you might be the very one. But if you don't do it, someone else will. And you know what? When people um, reject and neglect to do that which the Lord has for us to do within refuge, um, please don't think that he won't raise someone else up to do that very thing. He will. But why have the attitude of just sitting back and saying, you know what, someone else will do it. When, when you're tapped on the shoulder, when you see a need, yeah, we should be eager to serve and to do something. We should be eager. Count me in, man. I'll, I'll do whatever, whatever is necessary. If we all had that attitude, oh, there's, there's nothing that we wouldn't do, that we couldn't do. There, there'd be more being fulfilled in the name of the Lord to his glory. We have to note here also, and there's this little note here that I want to point out. Or actually just something that I want to bring to your attention. Where was the, the battle actually fought from, as we read there? Was it not from heaven? Heaven. God fought for them. That's what's amazing. He still fights for us today. We, we may go forth in faith, but he fights for us. He fights our battles. He tells us that he fights our battles. We just participate with him. We're, we're with the Lord. We come alongside him. 
On their behalf, he sent rain to frustrate the enemy and make them ineffective. That's what he did. And so I just wanted to point that out. Let's continue, though. Verse 24. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Eber, the Kenite, of ten dwelling women, most blessed. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera, she crushed his head, she shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. Between her feet he sank, he fell, where he sank. There he fell, dead. This woman was praised for what she did because her obedience to act on behalf of God's battle, to defeat the enemy of God, listen to this, was greater than any tradition or custom in that day to not touch and rather to protect and bless a guest in the home at any expense. Yeah. This was an enemy of the Lord that came into her home, into her tent, into her home. And so what, what she did was an expression of a deeper love for the Lord than any kind of cultural expectations, any kind of traditions that were passed along. And she completely, permanently took Sisera out. And he died at the hands of this woman, Jael. And she was praised for having killed him. Even when in the home and in the church, and more so, do not play with the enemy. Drive that tent peg into the enemy fully and forcefully that he may not again rear his ugly head. And I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. How was that, that this is a picture of, of sin that creeps into our home? We, we, sh- we shouldn't toy with them. We shouldn't compromise. We shouldn't do anything. We should <laughs> take that tent peg and just drive it home all the way through. Crucify the flesh. Drive those pegs deeply and securely as were the ones driven into the hands and feet of our Lord on the cross and declared victory over our sin. The flesh cannot be and never will be rehabilitated. It needs to be crucified. You understand what I'm saying? We can never improve on the flesh. No matter how well we dress a pig and put lipstick on her and put clothing and a mask, it's still a pig. No matter how well we dress the flesh, it's still the flesh. Therefore, we ought to crucify the flesh. Remember where the victory was. It wasn't in the religious aspects of the people. It wasn't in the philosophies of the time of the Greeks, of anyone else. Victory is found on Golgotha, on Calvary. When Jesus declared victory over sin, over the flesh, over the world, by crucifying, by being crucified. Because... Listen to this. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. 
And what does 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 say? What does it say? It's if, it says, if any, if any person, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come, right? We're new creations, new creatures in him. That's the only way. And so this, I know, is a picture. We understand this to be a picture. This is the enemy. You have to completely drive him out. Our flesh is the enemy. The flesh wars against the spirit is what the Bible tells us. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. So therefore, we need to crucify the flesh. It's all yours, Lord. It's not mine. Crucify the flesh. I want to walk by the spirit that I may not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then the song goes on. Because this was, this was praise. Jael, she struck this peg through Sisera's temple. And, and uh, she was praised for having victory over the enemy of the Lord and God's people. And verse 28 says, Out of the window she peered. The mother of Sisera wailed throughout the, through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princess says answer indeed she answers herself have they not found and divided the spoil a womb or two for every man spoil of dyed materials for sisera spoil of dyed materials embroidered two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil sisera's mother was expecting victory and the spoil of the battle brought back and even the taking of the women for the men that's what it's referred to but instead she pierced the window in vain, for he is not coming back. Israel has known victory over the enemy, and he is no more. I pray that with us that is the case in this sense. That when the world is waiting for us to return in the flesh, because sometimes they say of you and I as Christians, oh, this is just a phase. Oh, this is just something that they're going through. I'll be back. And like sister's mother, they peer through the window and expect us to come back. You tell them that Raul is dead. The old Raul is dead. Thank God he is dead. But in Christ I am alive. And I am a new creature. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's it, period. I pray that the world waits in vain for the flesh to return. Because we are dead and we will never return. We are alive in Christ and will one day go into all of his glory. The enemy has been defeated and we are the Lord's and we are new creatures in Christ. Hallelujah and praise God for that. And in closing, in verse 31 it says, So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. Psalm 97.10 says, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Love what God loves and hate what God hates. The prayer and praise end with a desire for God to do the same with all of his enemies. May they perish. And we all know that the word tells us, you know, sometimes we like, oh, we just want vengeance. But listen. For us, God is for us. He's not against us, okay? The enemies are his enemies. And for us, we just, 
We just need to go under his covering. We need to walk with him. And let him take care of those enemies. Do you have enemies? I, I have enemies. Do you have enemies? The Lord will take care of those. Don't worry about them. You take the high road, do what's right before the Lord. And, and he, he will certainly cover you. And not only that, but he's faithful to fight your battles for you. Did we not learn that this evening? So we have victory in the Lord. The victory that was known because leaders led and people freely offered themselves. That's what we see this evening in this chapter. It's a beautiful song. May that be true of us here and today. To bless God in this way. And may we be inclined and desire more than anything to serve him freely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that we are not contentious with you. Lord, that that which your word says, we freely, conscientiously, deliberately, and joyfully follow. Thank you, Lord, that you do fight our battles. That we simply in faith go out to those things that you have called us to do and fulfill in our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of past victories and that that would give us confidence and more faith in you. May we as your people come together. May leaders lead and the people do that which they are called to do, each and every one of us, that you may be blessed and glorified. And so thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you are a warrior. Oh, you battle for us but you also died for us that we may have a relationship with you, being reconciled through the Son, restored in a right relationship with you. And so we thank you, Lord, that we can also look to you as Savior. We give you all the praise and all the honor, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.